You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle. And I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Uh, thank you, BK Dan, for becoming a member and uh, supporting the channel. Mm-hmm. That was awesome of you. Uh, we are Dungeons & Dragons Talk Show. We're going to talk about tabletop RPGs. Uh, there's a little bit of news. We'll probably sneak some Paizo news and stuff in there. And then I bought a bunch of books that we can talk about. Um, Sweet. That I have not th- thoroughly read yet. But uh, they're coming. Yeah. Jordan looks like he put on some muscle. No, that is just uh, 40 years of age catching up with me, as it is my birthday in three days. Um, or on Monday, two days. So uh, that's, it, that's yeah, nope, no muscle here. Just Happy pre-birthday. Yeah, no happy pre-birthday. <laughs> um, we, I saw a lot of news. People are doing their 1D&D surveys. That's coming mm-hmm. out. People are doing that. Did you do the previous survey? I forget. I do most of them. I have skipped one out of four or five, and I don't necessarily remember exactly which one I was doing. I think I did the last one, and I'm sure I'll probably do this one. Okay. I think I'm going to do this one. I need to thoroughly reread the stuff, though. Because I think the only thing I had uh, problems with was specifically the having a hard DC for whether you are sneaking or not. So that the player knows, like, oh, if I... I think it was, like, 15. It's, like, if you ever roll a 15 or higher doing a sneak check, you're hidden. And from the player perspective, that's really cool. But then, like, from a roleplay perspective where you're in the... I don't know if I'm actually successful on this sneak check or not. Uh, like, mm-hmm. let's say you roll, like, a, a 10. And it's, like, oh, well, I failed. I, I'm I'm heard. I can change my tactics entirely. And I was, like, oh, I don't like that. I like... DM setting the DC in his head or somewhere or rolling against. I don't know. So that was the only that. And then I think intimidation checks were very similar where you could like intimidate people. Did you looking at me weird? Did you lose me? You got a little blurb there. Yeah. Oh, internet wise or I had an internet blurb. Uh, yeah. Drop Maybe frames. On there we go. Okay. okay. 137. <laughs> it's back to normal now. So, okay. I was like, Be froze. What do I do? Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, you went stealth on me. You rolled a 15. And you were like, gone. I I'm did. Like, Where'd he go? Completely <laughs> rolled a 15. Yeah, hard DC. I, too. There's always that point in some games. I know you've been at the table playing this, and we've played lots of games and conventions with lots of people. There's always that player who decides when they want to roll. Rather than being check, asked Even to roll. before yeah. you, the DM says, go ahead and roll a skill check. They're like, I want to do this, and I'm going to roll my, oh, I got an intelligence of this. And you're like, well, yeah. slow down. <laughs> slow yeah, down. and <laughs> I, th- I find that it happens. Uh, intimidation, I'll have players yeah. ask. They're like, can I intimidate or can I do this? But uh, investigation, like we'll walk yeah. into a room and players will be like, all right, well, I got a, a 12 on my investigation. What do I find? And I'm like, I yeah. didn't even say you could do that. Like, <laughs> Hold on, slow like down. back. Yeah. Slow, and there are, cause you play a long enough and it's human nature for people to be like, Oh, this is what I do in this room. Uh, but again, that's treating it like a video game more than mm-hmm. a tabletop RPG. And I know video games were inspired by tabletop RPG design and then, Tabletop RPG design was inspired by video games, and it's been this circle that keeps going around and around. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, uh, they're very different. Like, like although they're inspiring each other, it's a very different medium than having the computer be black or white, yes or no, you know, mm-hmm. on or off. And I guess the to jump in straight into the discussion, and we're going to talk about real and physics in a fantasy game. I, I yeah. realize this, guys. Slow, <laughs> slow the comments down a second. Do we think the stealthing player, you're the you're the super cool thief, mm-hmm. do you think you would know you're not stealthed if you messed it up? Like, so my roll represents I roll a five, and I'm the super stealth dude. Do I know I've effed it up if the DM does the roll? Or are you going to play that like you just don't know? You're sneaking around. You think you're invisible, but you're not. Yeah, I and that's, uh, you know, going back to like uh, BX days and stuff, the the DM would roll a lot more for players sure. because it was like you're not supposed to know if you are or not. Yeah. Um, 
But what if I, you're like the trained person in it? Like you, this is your thing. Yeah. Oh, so like, you're saying you from know? a um, would I know if I'm not yeah. being stealthy or not? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's kick. up to people. So, uh, I think, I think, what I like to do is mm-hmm. I like to have. We we were talking about solutions for this the other day. Um, uh, me and Perfect. Lex. And so if if I roll, um, I like to have contested rolls for this because one of the things is is I could say, uh, let me roll for you, and then what's your what's your bonus? I roll, and I see that you have a plus seven to stealth, and I look down, and I'm like, I rolled a two, so you have a nine. Uh, I don't tell you that it's a nine. I just say, yeah, and then you can describe it and let the player decide. So you could say... You are sneaking along. Um, there's a lot more crunchy leaves than normal. So although you are being very cautious, there's like a subtle scraping. And it's like, mm-hmm. so then the player knows, okay, I'm making noise, but how much noise am I making? You know, like, mm-hmm. am, am I actually being stealthy? Uh, the opposite of that was we were talking about just contested rolls. So the player can roll... And they might roll a twenty, and then you're just like, "Yeah, you're you're super stealthy because I rolled a four, but he doesn't know what I rolled." Or you could have that same thing where it's like, they rolled a twenty, but I rolled a twenty-two on my mm-hmm. like whatever check, and so they think they're being super stealthy until they find an arrow at the back of their neck, kind of a thing. Yeah. So, uh, and I like both of those options more than just the static number that the player knows, because yeah. I think that's what I'm having problems with. Let uh, me but, add one more solution. Go ahead. Yes. Your solution solution. What about this? If you're proficient in it, or it's a class based around stealth, you get to roll, and we talk about what happens and why you know. But if you're not proficient in it, and you're not a class that's based in stealth, I do all the rolling, and you have no idea what happens. Except yeah. by how I describe it. So, so the uh, only reason I say yeah. that is because, like, if you have the perfect ninja or the perfect, you know, stealthy thief, I'm breaking into the house, second floor store, I put all my skills and big things into it. To me, I that person is qualified to understand when the leaf that they stepped on has broken their stealth or something has gone on that they know crap it did not work i'm in danger i'm in trouble because i am not stealth when i when i was trying to be and i think for them they should have that because they have the skills the knowledge the practice yeah i could see that as of thing to get it so then it gives it to both but i do like your contested too because then you're saying stealth first perception right so how sneaky am i being how perceptive are they? Are they really looking for something? Yeah. Or are they just walking around not paying attention? So their their role is this and your role is that. So I do like the idea of contested too. I like the idea of the hidden. But I like the idea that the the if you take thief and you have skills that say second story skills, you're you're meant to be a break in person. You're meant to be a Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. I think you know when you've flubbed it, when you've screwed it up. Like you've done something that's just uh, So let's well. say the player does know when they've they've flubbed it. Um, do they commit to what they decided to do? Yeah. Then what happened? Because I think that was the problem is, uh, Ted was saying he was playtesting the rules Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, make a stealth check. And they know that the stealth is 15. So he rolled and he saw, and the guy saw that it was like a four. And so he's like, oh, well I'm going to like, can I not do that then? You know, no, like, I would say you tried it and you failed it. So see, and, and that's the not. thing is that's not in the rules. And so yeah. when you start adding these kind of hard rules, we need more. Uh, and and this is what I, I think bloat comes from the game, because then it's like, well, we're going to add this hard rule. We're all stealth checks are DC 15, but yeah. we'll leave it up to the DM to, you know, and it's like, well, I it's it's causing more questions then it's um, actually solving with the game. Does but that it's make also sense? the problem. So. They're trying to solve, obviously, the passive perception because passive perception is just a number. Yeah. And it's so different to for me, every it's monster. A set, so. It's a set number. And so yeah, that's yeah. still the same problem, I think. But like, if I think you they're trying a, to simpl- yeah, simplify it yeah. by like, so if instead you, of... If you yeah. say to me, I want to break the door down, and I say, okay, give me a strength check, and you see that it's a four, you don't turn to me and say, well, okay, maybe I don't want to break the door down. We say, no, you tried to break the door down. It didn't work. 
Yeah. Now what are you doing? <laughs> so I wonder, that's how I would still handle that. So that, that's, yeah. a, that's weird that Ted went that way with it. No, no, he didn't go that way. His player did. Like, his player was asking if they could, right. like, not do the stealth check. And he right. was just like, I, this is no. weird. Because normally yeah. I would be like, that's what you do. But you now know that you failed. And so it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have an answer other than what I would rule at my table, but this is where the more we like, the more we ruleify a tabletop Mm -hmm. RPG to kind of bring it back to the conversation of putting it back, kind emulating a video game, the more people will treat it like a video game. And, uh, I don't know. So I, I don't, let me give another problem. Let's do it. This is a great, I think this is a great discussion. (laughs) You roll your stealth check. Well, how long does it last? Yeah. Two hours a day, five minutes, one round. What what is it doing? What are the things, circumstances that change to where we have to keep doing this? Because we obviously don't want to roll every round. We don't want to roll every five minutes. We don't want to. That doesn't make any sense. So like, there's. I think stealth is that weird one. It's kind of how much you hand, want to hand wave time, because yeah. if we're in a combat and they want to stealth and they're like a thief, I'm going to be like, well, you need to bonus action stealth every turn. You know, yeah. every every six seconds. Well, and the thing you're doing but is an if action. It's... Stealth's not an action. Stealth is like a, I want to do this for the next hour as I sneak through a camp. No. Uh, if Well, as far as 5e, it is an action to stealth. But I see what you mean. Like, it's that's, about six seconds. I that's guess. during combat. You're right. But it's yeah. an action to stealth. But outside of combat, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Do I want you to roll one uh, survival Climb check to get cliff. ten miles? Or do I want to have it be like, okay, we need to do five survival checks to see if you get lost every hour you're traveling. Um, right. And then you're right. Like, I don't, that's, do that's do? how, do how do much that? do you want to hand wave the time? Because if our party was like, well, we want to sneak into this building and I'd be like, oh, there's seven guards. I don't necessarily want them to do seven checks to get past the seven guards. I want them to do one check to see if they fail and have all the guards be alerted kind of a thing. Right. So Yeah, yeah. So if you have different levels of guard, different types of creatures yeah. and you do your stealth check, even now the way you would run it now, one roll, how does that cover the human guards, but then there's the canine guard that's down the hallway that they're also going to go past. Exactly. Which is a different thing. So is that, that another has roll? Different yeah. senses. So then how do you do it right now in your game? Yeah. I mean, it's, what do you do it's right a, now? Uh, is the heist an onion? And so every yeah, layer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. I don't know. What's that question. rule? Isn't that rule where it's like, um, if there's a chance for failure, that's when you should have them make the roll. That's and what so, I always, and, yeah, Numenera and, so, and, and Monty always says that. Like, yeah. And so if they're, if they're breaking in and it's like, I need you to go in happen. and steal, you know, the crown jewels of, of queen, Sarah mm-hmm. the 14th. And I would not make that, like, if that's supposed to be the encounter for the night, I would not make it, like, one stealth roll. Oh, you rolled a 20. Well, you got the jewels. Good job. Right. It's like, wait, what? Like, you know? <laughs> and so then you say, like, well, what's the obvious kind of obstacle? The first one is probably getting past the guards at the gate. And then the second one is probably getting into the building. And then the third one is getting past the security of the building. And the fourth one is probably getting the jewels undetected. Uh, And so in my mind, I'm like, I would have four encounters prepared, you know, outside, inside, like past the, the, through the hallways and then at the actual thing. And then maybe another one to get out, who knows, or, Mm -hmm. or I'll be like, no, you guys have been so successful this time. So, yeah, this is why I don't, I think they're very different mediums, you know, video games in this. And so, yeah. And then the problem is your players steal a truck and they drive it into the wall. Exactly. (laughs) That is exactly what happens with freaking the great Modron March is like, they're like, well, this isn't working. Let's just blow it up. I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't like, I I agree. I don't like just like your 15 is your thing. But it's definitely one of those gray areas where I think the DM has to use... You can't write a rule because I think the DM needs the flexibility to say, in this situation, we need a couple of rolls because of these things. But in this situation, one roll is going to suffice and we can just kind of montage stuff along. I don't have the happy balance because I've been very critical about the Spelljammer book that came out where it was Mm -hmm. just like, have the DM kind of feel it out. And I'm like, well, then why did I pay you? 
you know, $50 to have this book to not be told how to run certain encounters. Uh, and I, and I think there's a happy medium where the playtest rule seems very precise. And mm -hmm. I see a lot of conflict at the table because of that rule where players are going to be arguing with dungeon masters about like, well, this says here and all of the, like, I'm going to point out the rule because my dungeon master doesn't know. And it's like, ah, you know, and I like the flexibility for a DM to be like, well, we're not doing that. I don't know. So sure. Yeah. That's rule number one in any book is <laughs> the, the DM gets to decide uh, the, the arbitrator arbiter. And then if you really don't like, and there are those bad DMs out there, if you really don't like the ruling and he's constantly uh, causing problems, like I was in one game for a very small amount of time where uh, we just like weren't allowed to heal. And with 5e, it's kind of like we, we can't take a long rest and not heal because the game is designed around this. And you're trying to make it more edgy, but it was like, this just isn't, I don't know. This isn't DCC. It's a very different game. Like, we need to be yeah. able to heal. And so... Uh, and I don't play with that person anymore. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't like the way you run the game. I don't... Yeah. I choose that's not to the, play with that's you. That's not the campaign I like. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Yeah. So, the survey is out. I haven't taken it, but uh, I saw a really good tweet by Ted, and I've been talking to a couple other people, where they're like, whether you like that... Uh, whether you're actually playing the playtest or whether you like it, this is literally the only way uh, wizards will listen to you about the one D&D stuff. So if you have input, put it in. Because uh, they are a business, they, but they want D&D to be um, what people want. I think they learned their listen from 4th edition where they were like, we know what people want. And it totally backfired. And 5th edition has been very successful because of the D&D Next playtest. So, yeah. Uh, it's just weird to... Uh, I guess I've never gone through this because I kind of started with 4th edition and then 5th edition came out, like, right away. And it just mm -hmm. felt like D&D, whereas 4th edition kind of had D&D-esque things but felt more like a board game. Um, to have this be like, wow, we're getting a new edition. Like, this is weird. Like, will I continue to play 5e after this? I don't know. Will I play the new 5e? Will I play a hybrid of the two? Six. Um, I have, yeah. Or will I just totally jump on board and have all of these books put in a box under my house or something? And now I'm going to just strictly play uh, 6e. So it's kind of, it's new. It's different. Well, and to also say. It's a different feeling for me. The test obviously has things in it. These are not the next set of rules that you're commenting on. Yeah. These are tests that they're wanting feedback that may or may not show up in any book, may or may not be a rule. They just want to see what would happen if this was the rule. What do you guys think about it? Okay, yeah. what what do you think if this was the rule? What do you guys think about it? So they could show us three or four different s styles of stealth rules, and we get to comment on all of them until we find out which one they get to pick. And, you know, you can't please everybody because we all have – some of us like OSR style games. Some of us like theater of the mind games. Some of us like moving miniatures on the table and being super precise. And some of us want tactical games. And you can't you can't have a rule set that makes everybody happy either. <laughs> so you, yeah, they have to. And that's the other thing. You're right. That's like uh, not every edition is going to make everybody happy. And you have yeah. to understand that there are you know there's people like me that are just like I I really like. Uh, D I'll say it again, DCC, so everyone can take a drink, but <laughs> DCC, and I really like um, Old School Essentials, and sometimes I'm like, I kind of just want to play those because it's less for me to manage and prep. Um, yeah. Going back into 5e with this great Modron March game, I'm remembering like, oh man, uh, back in the day I used Kobold Fight Club as an encounter builder, and now I'm using the encounter builder on D&D Beyond that I really enjoy. But, uh, yeah, like, if I didn't have that, I would be very frustrated that I would have to, like, flip through books and be like, what monster CR? I don't know what to throw here. Like, the fact <laughs> that it's a database that I can search makes it so much easier. Um, yeah. Whereas with uh, DCC, I kind of just like, oh, yeah, I guess, oh, this is equivalent. And I kind of just go with it and I have fun. And so I feel like I don't have to prep my DCC game nearly as much as my D&D &D 5e game. So... So, interesting. Yeah, take your surveys. I'll probably take it. Um, 
everybody has their hot takes and everybody yeah. has their you know and like you said even if you didn't get to play it you could still put a comment on it i would always preface my comments though i mean just be I didn't play this, but this sounds to me. That's how I would word it. I was like, I didn't play yeah, this and game, I, I, I don't know what the questions like are. This would happen um, if, I, if this did. Yeah, know? there was a big, there was a big thing where people were saying they don't even ask you if you've played the playtest in the in the survey, and uh, the rules lawyer gentleman, who's the the Pathfinder mm -hmm. guy, um, he made a video basically criticizing Wizards of the Coast, where it's like, if you don't tell, like, how do you know that they played it? And it was like, well, I. They have internal playtesters, guys. Like, they're playing mm -hmm. the game regularly. Yeah. This, this is, is really more of, oh, people don't like or do like this design. Like, that's yeah. kind of what these, these playtests are. Uh, and yeah. I use playtests in air quotes because there are some people using the new rules. But uh, overall, I'd say the majority of people commenting on this and stuff have read through it, have an opinion, and they want to voice that opinion. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, we talked about it before. Ray Winnegar is gone from Hasbro yeah, slash Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> yeah, game. so uh, there's been a lot of talk about this because it's been a month that he kind of removed his stuff from Twitter and people were like, where's Ray? And things like that. Um, and I, I remember the day we were talking about it, I went to his LinkedIn because I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't know, LinkedIn seems like a thing. And then everyone was making fun of me because they're like, who updates their LinkedIn? I was like, yeah, you're right, nobody. But you do when you're searching for a job. You do when you're searching you for a that. job. Not uh, any other time. <laughs> and at the time, I looked at it, yeah. and I was like, well, it still says he's with Wizards of the Coast, and that he's the game lead or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, since then, I looked at it a couple days ago, and he's removed all Wizards of the Coast stuff, so he doesn't work there anymore. I don't yeah. know exactly who's his too. replacement. And then, yeah, he said goodbye on Twitter. So yeah. he made a, a final Twitter goodbye, and he's just like, hey, I'm still going to work on games. I'm still going to do this. I'm just not there anymore. Um, and it seemed like he wanted to take a vacation. Uh, we might never know the real story. I, I mm -hmm. doubt there's drama behind this. Maybe there is. Who knows? But mm -hmm. I don't know. So anyway, he said goodbye officially. So it's there and it's gone. And I hope he works in the tabletop sphere in some way because mm -hmm. he was a cool guy. And I, yeah. he just seemed neat. I like that he kept us informed, you know, and, and reached out gave us hints and things and kept the community engaged so yeah yeah like that. um and then i i think i didn't really put this together but he was mike merle's uh replacement basically um merle's went to work more on the video game side and then i think he's working on the magic the gathering side now and we just don't hear from him anymore because of the the weird emails that came out where he was assisting uh what's his name bad bad guy that wrote I shouldn't yeah, say bad so, guy but the yeah, guy that so wrote many... Maze of the Blue, Blue Medusa um, bad by association yeah. yeah and it was like it was just kind of like okay you're defending um, that guy that got kicked out of uh, Gen Con for 12 years ago yeah for a while anyway it was a long thing but <laughs> yeah. and I don't want to get into it now uh, no. obviously, but yeah it's just kind of like okay and then they just kind of quietly swept him under the rug mm -hmm. and now Ray was also kind of swept under the rug is what it feels like, but he at least said goodbye. So that's interesting. Uh, let's talk about Dragonlance. What's going on there? Yeah, there is a video out on their channel. Um, Mr. Kenner is talking to one of the development leads. And I guess I never, I knew the stories of the Dragonlance books and they do kind of make a point in the video to say you don't have to have read the stories to want to go buy the book. The book is built so that, you know, it's you don't have to know that. You don't have to feel like you have to know all the history of Dragonlance. Like I didn't have to know it. the history of Ravnica to enjoy that book. Yeah. Know? Even though yeah. there are stories and stuff about it because that was an established world. So, yeah. And the, the couple of comments that popped out, I recommend you go just go take a look at it if you're remotely interested in it the one one thing that they said this is D's book of war so this is really a book where they're looking at war of some sort yeah. i don't know if that means there's going to be war rules in it i don't know if that means you know what we're going to get and then another thing i didn't realize is that they're saying that this takes place kryn basically is the land of no dragons and no gods and magic is kind of taken a back seat it's there but it's not prominent anymore so really if you're playing in dragonlance before this part of this timeline 
you're playing a fantasy game that's not very magical right not there's you know not there's no gods technically the dragons are gone the gods are gone magic there's very few people that have it and if they do they're they're hidden away from the world or they don't really participate i don't know so you're I, leaving kind of a low magic setting then right i'm Maybe well that setting? that's what i don't know because my interpretation is like rastlin is the 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 mage and the red and, and they the have one. the red he's moon the really that's i what thought I he was thought. he was just a guy that like learned magic and there are the orders of the white mages the black ones and the red ones um and there's i so i don't know you're right i just don't know but that much about common, like a forgotten realms common like you don't walk into water deep water deep magic's everywhere everybody has it but this seemed like a, a world that's more token-esque where magic be, exists yeah. but not everybody's just slinging it around i mean you don't yeah. see spells happening everywhere even though things are magical in nature or some magic does happen mm. so i didn't realize that either i was like oh wait so the the, the kryn dragon lance the campaign dragon lance if you start had no dragons in it and <laughs> no gods and i'm like oh this is such a weird world but their book is going to be like and then but ha- the cataclysm it, happens so like, and the dragons come back this is about oh. the return of the dragon queen so the dragons and the gods are coming back to a world where they've left it okay i didn't realize that i had no idea that's what the crin setting was i don't know how i missed that that's such a weird yeah that'll be interesting because the way you were talking, I'm like, that feels like Dark Sun, but that's not... Yeah, like a low not, magic, yeah. low... This is OSR in some ways, really, too, I would think. You know, low... You don't. Not everybody's a wizard in OSR. You're a farmer with a pitchfork if you make yeah. it through the funnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, magic so. is unknown, whereas, uh, like, Eberron magic is studied, you know, and yeah. it's very prevalent. Forgotten Realms. And Forgotten Realms has be kind of, kind of become that because... Hyper magic. It's yeah. like... There's just a lot of magic floating around, so. Yeah, so it was interesting. I, I, it makes me wonder, if you play a D&D game where it's low magic, what does that do to the D&D game? Because if you're saying there's no gods and you're saying there's no dragons, you're saying magic is out there, but it, there's only the few that have it, and it's not common then would you mm-hmm. really have your character classes be, you know, okay, what do you want to be? You want to be a warlock, a sorcerer, a mage? Uh, oh, what cleric? You want to be a cleric? Okay, you want to be a paladin? It, it would almost seem like none of that would work at first unless your timeline is the stuff is coming back and that's why your characters have it. But if, well, if that's not I, your... I think that's always like, uh, like I look at low magic settings and I, I don't want to limit players in low magic right. settings, but really what it comes down to is do you want to feel special? Like, are you one of a hundred wizards from your wizard college? Or are you, like, one of three wizards and the other two are after you for your spellbook? Like, how special do you want to be? And coming into a town that has, like, like, oh my gosh, you can do all these supernatural things. Or is there, like, the local cleric shop and you go over and get your arm mended, you know? So, yeah, you buy potions yeah. at the store. Buy potions, you... yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the whole thing. How special is that magic item? You know, is yeah. was there was there literally just one ring forged? Well, and <laughs> and it's amazing. Me is, I think, maybe Dungeons & Dragons 5e edition is not conducive to a low magic world. I mean, you can make it work, but you can make yeah. anything work as a... You can convert anything. You make it work by limiting it's not, all of the things that make it fun, I feel. You right. Know? <laughs> right. It's not the system meant for a low magic setting at yeah. this point anymore. Not if you're going to give all these options, all these books, let your plays go through all these different books and pick cool classes and combinations of spells and abilities and powers and things. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to work in that. So I thought that was interesting that D&D, in this edition, this version of it... Um, really does kind of require a world that has access to magic and and is pretty prevalent. I guess you could try to run a campaign where it's not, but I just don't see how, how do you balance that? Then if your character is the only, your your character is the only wizard in 1200 miles and they have their cleric with them. Who's the only cleric that's slinging divine magic. And then, the other player plays the sorcerer because they're wild magic, and then but nothing else around them is right. It's just all uh-huh. farmers and villages and 
non-magical. Yeah, and, and not even talking about magic, but, like, is your world a place where people have access to education? Like, yeah. maybe there are hundreds and thousands of people that have the potential for magic, but they live sure. in the middle of Peasantville, and there's no mm -hmm. way for them to get out of, uh, out of that life in that world. Um, so they just can't. You know, like yeah. they never. An artificer. Yeah. How does the artificer fit into that? With yeah, the fantastical things they're kind of doing. Yeah, um, I, I love. You can make anything fit, but you could. I mean, we yeah. talk about reflavoring a lot, and you could. You know, you. But the artificer, artificer is interesting. Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because I've been playing one in our Black Company game, but mm -hmm. I feel like it really does fit. And every time I cast a spell, I'm very open about the fact that I'm like, I'm pulling out a vial, I'm like putting it into my magic wand gun, I shake it up and then I like fire a bolt of some kind of magical energy or fire yeah. or something like that. So really it's the science um, of that world. But yeah, and that fits. It's not but, the spells or the weave that you're yeah, doing your stuff But I, I yeah. don't feel that that fits with Forgotten Realms, you know, and right. we're supposed to allow, you know, everything kind of works in Forgotten Realms, but I was like, yeah. I just don't like artificers in the realms. And I don't think I would like it in something like, you know, uh, Dragonlance, but maybe maybe not. Yeah. But Ravnica, Artificer Fates fits great, you know. Oh god! But uh, like Theros, Greek, were like I don't, you know, it kind of. Yeah. It, it's hard. It's harder for me to justify it when I'm like, well, but you don't. You don't even have access to making like gunpowder and mechanical things like that. So it just feels kind of. We have to really work on like you're making weird magic items but how are you doing mm -hmm. that so without a yeah. forge without a lot of other stuff yeah and i think it's that same you have the same problem or not the problem the same interesting idea that if you have a fantasy world that's a dungeons and dragons world and you say okay we're going to introduce somebody has invented the locomotive and the industrial age is about to start like science is about to kick off people uh, there's this group of people who've said i'm not using magic to do all this stuff i'm using real physics and you know, and all of a sudden, yeah. you know, this is about to happen and you want, and you're thinking, Oh, in my mind, it's going to be cool because my campaign's about how the fantasy magical world is about to collide with the technological world. And what's that going to happen? And my players are in the middle and it does all sound kind of cool, but like you're, you have to make a lot of um, stuff up and a lot of concessions if you're going to do that because D and D five, he doesn't have laser guns and you know all the technology piece that you need for to make this work so you're making all that piece up so that you can then see what happens when you mash them yeah and, and you so, know you take that away i think a great example of this is uh psionics like we talk about oh, yeah. putting things into a game and mm -hmm. the artificer works really well for eberron psionics doesn't really work in Eberron as well. And everyone's kind of like, I don't really know how to do it. And even Keith Baker, he's just like, if I had my choice, we wouldn't really, I just we don't, just I don't do know. <laughs> but like Dark Sun Dang Psionics it. works really well. Um, but then again, you have settings like Dragonlance and stuff where people, uh, Forgotten Realms, where people come mm -hmm. and they're like, I'm thinking of the third edition days where they're just like, hey, I bought this new book. I want to mm -hmm. play uh, a psionicist monk or something. And mm -hmm. I'm gonna cast fireballs, but I'm not. I, I'm not limited to your uh, anti magic field or your connection to the weave or all that other stuff. Uh, and it's weird because you have this framework of how the world works, and then you're yeah. kind of shoving in this character that's like magic doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but it doesn't. I don't think this works as well. Um, and so, yeah, and I think that the artificer is kind of the same thing, where you're like, you're right, mechanically, it's in the game. But it's not really like I can't reflavor it in a way to make it actually work. In a, yeah. You know, and, and here's an extreme example of where I was going with it. Like, yeah. let's say we're going to play Star Trek Adventures. But we're going to play in a world that has Don't no tease science. Me. No yeah, science anywhere. No ships, no science, no tricorders, <laughs> no. We're just going to be no on a planet. <laughs> Enterprise, no Federation. But we're going to use Star Trek Adventures, the role playing game. We're going to play this fantasy magical game. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, okay. You can do it. I'm sure you can make it work, but do you really, should you? So maybe, to me, I was wondering if Dragonlance really should be an OSR game, campaign world. I think I might use OSR rules for that, or I might use... Yeah, um, play old school like you said, um, um Yeah, Dark Sun rules, or I might use definitely like a... Well, and I, I made a video a while back about this where I thought it was, you know, like I want to play Eberron using Numenera. 
Like, yeah. I think it's interesting to take these worlds and see if they work better with certain systems. And mm-hmm. and that whole idea was sparked because I was listening to a podcast where uh, someone was running an Eberron game using Savage Worlds for Keith Baker. And he was like, this go. is really cool. Like, the idea that we we don't have, we're not limited by D&D. Like, you could take this right. and do it. It's a campaign you know? world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. That's kind of cool. But the problems we're talking about are are you know, tenfold as you start digging into that, because all of a sudden you think about like Numenera has lots of psionic stuff. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not wanting to use Numenera psionic stuff in my Eberron game, it's going to be like, well, what do I do? Do we just say no, thank you to that? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And it does have the benefit of being backed by the cipher system. And the cipher system has done multiple genres from, technology to fantasy to everything in between supernatural modern day yeah like you can get everything with the cypher system so when they built that they did kind of think of a little bit of that and you do have those rules there are gun rules there are laser gun rules there are, you know, and you choose which ones you want and not yeah. but the idea is that and they're not problems that you can't overcome so if you have this campaign your dm out there and you're like no lucian i'm doing it right now we've been playing this campaign for two years I get you can do it. <laughs> I realize if you put the work in, you can make it work. I yeah, just, yeah. It, it was interesting to me. Is to it think the same of, game at that point, though? <laughs> yeah, a non-fantasy world being and using the 5e plethora of options that you might have Yeah, is interesting. So, I, And I didn't realize no dragons were in Dragonlance until now. The book comes out supposedly like they're two years before they come back or this is the build up they're on they the covers in the... i don't know yeah. like every dragonlance book has a dragon on it yeah this is the return of the dragons apparently. they left for some reason huh okay yeah we need you know what we should do we should go over to that there's a there's a lore channel by this uh ph silent guy and maybe he could do us some dragonlance lore so i should we had a really little bit of understanding of that world you know, I like I like to do lore that I'm interested People in. People click on. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Much the opposite. I do things yeah. that I'm like, hey, I I think it's fun to research this, um, which is why I'm not you know 300,000 yeah. subscribers like some yeah. other people. Uh, my reaction. Video. Yeah, I reaction. Not not my not my Hot style. Takes. Not my jam. Um, I do things because I love them. Uh, and like this show is a good example where we mm-hmm. have never really blown up. We have we have good people <laughs> that follow us and I like our audience. Um, but at the same time, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not chasing, chasing views yeah. because that's just a downward spiral of depression. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Dragonlance is pretty cool. I guess I've been really focused on Planescape lately because I've been researching yeah. so much for my campaign. Well, in my uh, mind, too, I was thinking it was like another Forgotten Realms, but just still different. But, you know, Greyhawk, yeah. Forgotten Realms, yeah. I was putting Dragonlance in that. But now that I just read what they were saying in that video, wait a minute, there's no dragons? Magic's kind of not super prevalent? Now I'm thinking, oh, maybe I do want to know a little bit more about this and the timeline that we're in. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure dragons were there and, and magic was there, but the setting where the books are taking place and the campaign books that you're putting out are in this, yeah. apparently this drought of that made me more interested to say, maybe I do want to know a little bit more about just that. You know, I don't know if I'll play in it, but it, it, it was interesting. It's like how dark sun is interesting to me because it is such a different campaign. I don't put that in the category of a forgotten realms, a Greyhawk, and Eberron. Yeah. Even Eberron's a, a half step, a little bit away. It's still there, but it's a little half step because it starts to get well. That and Spelljammer too. And like, in there. Spelljammer like, starts to get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the fun of it. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's it's different. Uh, okay, I'll go. I'll go buy go some check PDFs. The video see what I can do. Watch a video. <laughs> Watch a video or two. So who did, well, is anybody out there? Did Mister Rex do in there? Who are our? Uh, um, all of our lore buddies that we've, we've had on the channels and in the past. Uh, AJ probably has, I don't Does know he if he has, Dragonlance? Dra- he might have some Dragonlance videos. I'm going to uh, check him out on Rex, Twitter. I'm not see. sure about. AJ, um, he's doing Dragonlance stuff. There, there is a Dragonlance channel. It's not, so I'm subscribed to it. It's not super big, but uh, he does good work. And if you like Dragonlance, it's there. Huh, um, just like this, not a lot of people know, there's a dedicated Ravenloft lore channel. And it's run by a, a a girl, and she's very knowledgeable, and it's really cool. Um, and I enjoy her videos, but again, it's not. She does it because she loves Ravenloft. Oh, yeah. 
and uh, not a lot of people are clicking Ravenloft videos anymore, kind of a thing. Sure. So, but if you're interested, like the information's there. Like, there's lots of cool people. There's a Mystaria channel. Uh, I forget his name. He's really good. I keep good. hearing that campaign setting a lot. You know, it's like the last one that keeps getting brought up a lot because yeah. we're getting all the, the big name ones that we over we always Because it that and well, I'm trying to think about. I don't think Greyhawk okay. made it into third edition. Maybe I'm wrong. They won't do Greyhawk because that's Gary's world. And once Gary left, they just they weren't going to go back to his world because it tied him oh. back to the company again. So oh. there's no way I think they were ever going to come back to that. Okay. They, and he, so, he, he doesn't just leave. He becomes a competitor. Like, he yeah, builds yeah. his own. He puts out another couple of games, builds worlds, just yeah. like the Greyhawk worlds, and he is still out there trying to, you know, generate TTRPG business. So they separate from him, and that's why I think we never really go back to Greyhawk much. That makes sense. Um, But Mistara is a very cool world and super big. Uh, and I've been reading some of that, but it never made it out of BX D and D. It was just kind of like going to be the the basic expert world. And if you're going to play in advanced Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to play in Forgotten Realms, or you're going to play in Greyhawk, or you're going to play in this. And so it's mm-hmm. it's interesting that it it never broke out of that, even though uh, you you can do so much with that. And and it's got the Hollow Earth where you can go underneath it, and it's a whole world on the inside. Um, we love. Hollow there's some cool Earth stuff there. Uh, man, that just makes me want my Plain Gia book to arrive. Well, soon we'll faster. probably get the D and D cinematic universe book too, right? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> as, the, as all the movies, as the movies are coming, start out, to yeah. create new, a new world. They'll be like, no, this is the cinematic world. This is this is Earth six one six, right? <laughs> oh, Mister, I did make it to second edition. Okay, I'll have to look into that Pale Raider. Thank you. So, Mister Welsh, like he's the one that did the Mistara videos. He's been, yeah, he's been making lots of videos on Mistara for a long time. Mister Welsh, yep. Um, there are. Uh, I think we talked about this. I don't really know. I wanted to call it out. I don't know anything about these, but there's uh, two D and D tie-in novels coming out. Um, they're on. Uh, they're on Amazon, Can and I think they come out. In, oh, February. Yeah, February and... Yeah, February. So February 7th, 2023, they're coming out uh, just before the movie. And they're prequels to the movie. So it looks like one of them is about that tiefling druid. And the other is about the Honor Among Thieves uh, group. And uh, a lot of people are speculating that that group had a falling out. And uh, I'm trying to think of the the, the villain that is... I think what they're stealing from is like their former member. Like, like they were a group of people. One of them broke off to, you know, cheat the rest and make a bunch of money or something. And now they're just like, Oh, we lost everything to that guy. And then they recruit the tiefling druid. And you can kind of see that in the trailer to replace the lead singer to then go back. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, I think that is what these novels are, but it'll be fun to have them out. Um, they're kind of, uh, it looks like they're, they're geared towards young adults, so they're not going to be overly hard, but it's, you know, fun for ages 10 to a hundred probably. So I might read them. I might give them a chance. Any, any author names that stand out or just authors? I don't, uh, Jalea Johnson is one and E.K. Johnston is the other. Um, and looks like they wrote some young adult Star Wars books. Uh, a book called Etherbound that looks kind of cool. So yeah, one of those like writers for hire. Um, not a Brandon Sanderson, not a no, and and not their own world. Like uh, this person <laughs> looks like this person has read um or written some Forgotten Realms and Assassin Creed's book. Oh, uh, nice. you know, so they could be good, they could be bad. Who knows? I won't judge because I exclusively read right now lit rpg and obviously they're not winning you know big awards for their writing. read what you like Boy, who cares? Do i love like, that genre <laughs> like i got a lot of flack for reading through the hunger games books before they yeah. became a movie i'm just like yeah. they're like yeah, they're like if you know you that's like made it. for like 14 year old girls i'm like i don't know i kind of like it it's kind of like the world's kind of cool and I'm really uh didn't like the next. ending but uh really enjoyed that first book so like read what you like who cares that's right i'm not here to judge you uh and then Planescape's coming. I guess I was going to talk about Planescape, but we've been talking about lots of other stuff. So uh, what's going on with Paizo? So 
the one thing I saw was just that um, Kingmaker's the big uh, redo for second edition, but they also are building a version of it if you want to play it in 5e, back to your idea, oh. idea of, hey, what about taking a campaign world out of its native system and put it with a different system? Yeah. Roll20 has just said that you can, for free, pick up, I think it's either the first chapter or a preview chapter, but I think it's the first one that you can get there just to see if, okay, let's see how this is going to work. So I'm going to pick up the 5e version of the Kingmaker and just kind of peruse through it in my Roll20 and see, oh, okay, so how's this going to work and what's it look like? Because it's a super popular campaign from Pathfinder First Edition. They create a video game on it that's actually gotten quite a bit of praise. And then a second one, Wrath of the Righteous, is the one after that. It's another big campaign. So they had these two big spanning campaigns, Kingmaker and wrath of the righteous which uh i'm impressed with the quality of wrath of the righteous which has made me say okay let's go back and look at kingmaker because i'd never really stumbled on it before that yeah um, and that first so chapter is free you were saying i think it roll yeah 20? so roll okay. 20 has a free pre they're calling it a preview chapter of the stuff they're putting out and i'm sure it's say hey here's this first part now buy the other piece i'm sure but Oh, yeah, yeah. that's if you ever thought and i was thinking about you know um when i want to run my pathfinder game 2e to buy a pre-made module so that I'm not trying to, one, play a whole new system, two, create a whole new campaign world, three, figure out all the stuff that I want to do in there. I just want to maybe take some of the workload off and say, okay, I'm just going to learn the rules and I'll just use like a pre-generated adventure that has all that stuff for me so I can just focus on learning the rules better and running the game and stuff versus trying to do it all at once. And like to throw it on top, I'm going to create a Twitch show and I'm going to do overlays and all this, you know, like don't oh, throw yeah. so much Ooh. on yourself that you're like, I'm going to turn it into this big thing. I'm going to try to take it at baby steps. And maybe this Kingmaker is an interesting one because it's a large campaign that takes you from basically farmer, hero, first level person, dude, or dudette, all the way to maybe you're in charge of the kingdom now and you are a king or a queen or an emperor or a czar or whatever you want to call yourself. And that's cool. And what is that like? You know, what does your campaign turn into when you're running the the, the show in a large landmass area of a country or a kingdom or a empire or whatever? Plus, you're an adventurer. Plus, you're this and that. So interesting. Check it out. Other than that, they have their regular releases that they always put out. I didn't see anything on their videos that they put out. They're doing some of their live plays are out there. If you want to see some live plays of their Pathfinder games. Um, but I hadn't seen anything else. They're still putting out some videos that they were cutting together from Gen Con also. So if you missed any of the oh, really? stuff that they okay. did at Gen Con, you can go back and watch some of the panels they had. They did lots and lots of panels and stuff during the whole Gen Con week. Um, hmm. So it was interesting. But that's my news for Paizo. That's cool. Um, yeah, I need to check out the King. I, ha- I think it's on my Steam list that Kingmaker video game. I would do Wrath of the Righteous because oh, I hear okay. it's the better, more polished game. And Kingmaker has a lot of it, but it does have some stuff that's a little buggy and a little... They just okay. didn't quite get the formula perfect. But everything I've heard is that Wrath of the Righteous is they got the formula. They they, they refined it, they got it, and it's like boom. P- and it is Pathfinder First Edition. It's oh, okay. in-depth. It's a pretty good... I like the storyline. I've been playing through the campaign several times with several different characters it's an interesting storyline it's interesting set of things you can do it's a fun gameplay turn-based top-down isometric um you know strategy rpg game cool pretty fun um well it's birthday weekend uh as monday is my birthday and so i went to see black adam yesterday with a bunch of people that was exciting (laughs) um it was a movie yeah. That happened on a screen. There you go. I will say I was excited to watch it on the big screen as opposed to watching it at home by myself or something mm-hmm. where I'm like half paying attention. I was like, ah, but like, it was fun. I had a good time. Um, I I like Shazam. And then I got a bunch of books in the mail. Um, I bought a couple RPGs. This one is called Warlock. It is the Traitor's Edition. Um, and you can find this on Trader Drive-Thru RPG. Way. 
R A D E R S or T R A I T O R S. The Traitor Edition. Edition. Okay. Traitor's Edition. Um, which just means that they have some updated art and stuff and they fix some things. Apparently, mm-hmm. they're, this is no different than the other Warlock Edition, except they like clean stuff up. So it's not like a. It's not like a 2E versus a 3E or something where it's like there's big rule changes. They just kind of cleaned up the formatting, uh, which was I was told. So this is print-on-demand that I got. I haven't read it yet, but I'm kind of collecting RPGs now. Uh, I've mentioned that before. But this is British, and it's inspired by the uh, fighting fantasy book series RPG. It kind of like extrapolated on that. Um, And it just looked really cool, and it was like pretty cheap, and I was just curious. Uh, spells are kind of interesting to me um, in this one, and I haven't had a chance to th- fully read it, but I'm excited for it. It's pretty cool. Um, and then on other books that I bought, Cobalt uh, Press had a sale, <laughs> wow. and so you could get this book for thirty dollars and the PDF. And usually the PDF is thirty dollars, so mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, bite!" Um, and this is just their five E version of their world book, so. Again, I'm like, I don't think I'll ever run a Midgard thing, but like, to there's a bunch of cities and stuff in here, um, mm-hmm. and really cool, really cool information maps. So if you need that, like, man, I really need that floating castle of something or other. It's like, oh, I could just steal it from here, kind of a thing. Um, I haven't, I haven't even cracked this open really. But I it's like nice I, it's huge. It's just real thick, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and like I mean, we've talked about Cobalt Press. They oh, make yeah. uh, great products. Like I've loved everything that I have from Cobalt Press. And what sparked this is I was watching Sly Flourish because he's my new he's my new Monday. Uh, I'm like, oh, Sly Flourish new video, and I watch his videos. Um, and he pretty much does what we do. He talks about the news mm-hmm. of the D and D stuff, but he's all by himself. And he brought this to my attention one. that there was a sale, but he's actually running. A uh, D&D game without um, Wizards of the Coast stuff. So he's like, we're going to do a Midgard game. He wanted to like see like what it would be like. So he's using this book. There's the Midgard or the um, Kobold Press Tome of Heroes that has all the extra stuff. It's kind of like the Tasha's of Kobold Press. Like it has all these extra class features. So he's like, you can use the Player's Handbook. Um, I think Xanathar's, and then after that, he only wants Kobold Press books. So people, uh, his his campaign people were kind of like, well, that's interesting. And ironically, a lot of them had to go back to paper and pencil. Like, they were in D&D Beyond, but because these books are not in D&D Beyond, yeah. they were like, well, if I want to use these new features, it's actually easier if I start tracking them on paper. Yeah. And so a lot of them reverted back to paper and I, I'm like, are we going to go full circle where yeah, we push so hard into VTTs that now we're going to go out of VTTs? So I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, it was on sale. I picked it up. I, I think this is cool. I like I like this stuff. Um, and then another Sly Flourish book recommendation. This is on <laughs> the DMs Guild. It's called The Dread Thingonomicon. And the quality of this print-on-demand is not good. It's already kind of falling apart and the thing. Oh, no. But it is a very thick book. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, definitely worth the PDF. I don't know if I would get print on demand for this, but it has all of these really interesting things. Um, basically like prompts for locations and prompts for adventures. So let's, I just want to look at one quick with you guys. Cause I thought this was really, really cool. Um, do you want a besieged castle, a library or a dark cavern? Lucian, I want you to pick one. I'm a castle dude, so I want a besieged castle. Besieged castle. So we have minor events, attacks, and challenges. So if I go to page 50... So exciting. Heck yeah. Um, And so here are minor events that happen at the besieged castle for daytime and nighttime events. So like while the castle is besieged, your players are here, you could roll Mm -hmm. randomly on these tables, and it's like... Um, one of the castle's towers collapses, providing the besieging army with easy access to the castle. As the siege-laying army clambers over the rubble, defenders must turn them away and strive to make the pile of rubble unclaimable. So, like, during 
not just combat, but like this is what's happening, guys. And it just kind of mm-hmm. gives you so many cool ideas. Um, one of the nighttime events is members of the Night Watch hear the sounds of construction from behind a corpse. Uh, or a, a coops? I don't know what that Co- is. Cops. Like cops? it's a set yeah. of trees. Oh, okay. C-O-P-S-E, I think. Yeah. Campfire light necessary for the builders to see their work illuminates the top of a siege engine visible over the tallest trees. So... <laughs> Uh, I think it's like one of those things where I'm like, oh, my players are going to a forest tomorrow. What are they? Mm, and you start flipping through and you're like, oh, the, this forest is inhabited by a giant who likes to eat flower petals. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so a lot of just like prompts and stuff to help you flesh out your world and your game. And I thought it was really cool. cool. So I picked it up. Very cool. And then that's a lot of books. Yeah. Three. Well, it's three books, but <laughs> I, I buy a lot of books now. I need to get. I need to rework my shelves so that I have more space for them. Yeah. Um, and then so many, it's hard to read them all. No, and that's the other problem I have. I, yeah, I just finished one, uh, an RPG called Ark that I bought. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I got my uh, uh, I forget what it is. It's the flower book. Uh, I can't remember the botany book that I got, the, the her- fantasy herbalist, herbalist guide. Yeah, I got that one, and I flipped through it, and I'm like, this is really cool. I feel bad. I love this. The production quality is great. The more I was reading it, the more I'm like, I'm not sure if I would use this. Maybe a uh, little bit. <laughs> um, it did come with flashcards, and I like the idea that I could be like, here's here you find this root. Here's what you potentially could use it for. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Uh, I had a great Modron March game. That was a lot of fun. Um, we March. Uh, we had a trial because uh, LB's character got in trouble with the Modrons and got teleported to the Hall of something in Sigil. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it's where trials happen. And she was put on trial. Um, Shifter was the uh, defense lawyer, and then I played the um, prosecution. And the the people in our chat were the jury, and so they voted at the very end whether she was uh, acquitted or not, and she uh, was found not guilty by the jury. Oh, um, and then after that, we went uh, to back to the Outlands, and uh, our, our players fought a giant, uh, or a winged lion and a mysterious rider on the winged lion. And then when they killed it, the whole thing turned to ash, and they just disappeared. So... I've got little threads out there. They don't seem to be biting on them as much as I want. So I think I need to really like you see this and kind of <laughs> get get my point across. We'll see yeah. how that works out. <laughs> well, has the has the Modron march started? It has. That was the very beginning. Ah, so okay. So the, so the Modrons the, are on the march. Yep, the Modrons have started, and so their current situation is the Modrons are going to go through a city, and they're going to destroy that city. So oh, yeah, they're going right through it. And this is Oliver, and he's hanging out. What's going oh. on, bud? Oh, you need your backpack on? Okay. Wow, look at all them words, all in easily you understandable. Go. You gonna click it? <laughs> yeah. Good job. Dad. High five. He's ready to go. Uh, I park. I do well. We're gonna go to rehearsal, so he's gonna go play at the theater while we rehearse uh, play that we're working on. So it'll be fun. Uh, Lucian, what did you do? What's going on? Well, we missed our game, so not too much. So I'll, I'll wrap it up pretty quick. I have been reading more of the Wild Sea, which we talked about in last week's show. That book is still pretty cool and amazing and thought provoking. I'm still nice. reading some of the Pathfinder stuff. Um, I am about to get uh, one that is called. Everyday Heroes was a Kickstarter I backed, and they just sent me the information to say, hey, we're about to ship it out, so that should be here pretty soon. <laughs> yep. um, and I'm hoping to read through more of Avatar Legends, because I did get the PDF version of that, and my printed copy should be coming pretty soon. Um, I'm hoping. So I've got a bunch of those things to read and go through. I did back Secret World. That is now I can't wait to see what that is, you know, how that works out, a 5e version of the Secret World. And I've been playing lots of uh, World of Warcraft, jumping back in before their big expansion comes out over the winter holiday season to get releases. And uh, so I've just been going back and playing, you know, things I'd never done before, which is super fun. Um, inspiring lots of ideas and campaigns and things you could do in your campaigns and things that you would like to try and see what your players would do. So 
it's always nice and thought provoking when you can play a nice MMO and, and go through stuff and go like, oh, that quest line's kind of cool. I wonder if I could put a version of that quest line in mind to see what my players would do if they, you know, had to deal with this type of thing. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. well, I'm being informed that it is time to go. It's time to uh, go. So yeah. <laughs> apparently we're going to get going. Um, show over. Show over. I'm so sorry. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you for uh, hanging out. We have Patreon. Uh, you can become a member. All that stuff to support the show. We love doing this. Uh, we will see you guys all next time on another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D &D Show. Take care.